This is a shock podcast. Shock. Due to the discussions of murder, sexual activities and assault, listener discretion is advised, especially those under 13. The world is full of dangers and mysteries. Among them are the notorious serial killers who have terrorized and fascinated people for decades. How did they commit their crimes? How were they caught? But most importantly, what were their motives? Ah! Can You Solve It is a podcast that talks about notorious serial killers. This is Irdina Ishaq, your host for the series. Each week, you will join me in sharing stories of global cases that had happened, not to encourage murder, but to discuss ways on how it could have been better or much even prevented the murder. another day at the studio. Welcome back. I'm Erdina Isha and with me there's Izwin. Hi, my name is Izwin back in the studio with Erdina this week. In today's episode of Can You Solve It with the story of a serial killer in Indonesia and that is Ahmad Surachi. Now, who is he? Known as a black magic killer or dukun, Ahmad Suraji, also known as Nasib Klewang and Datuk Maringi, was an Indonesian serial killer that was convicted of killing 42 women and girls through ritual slayings. Wow, 42. That's yeah. a lot of girls. Yeah, and he killed them that would help bring him magical powers. See, Izwin, the idea of talking about him today actually freaks me out <laughs> because he was a dukun or here in Malaysia, we would call it bomo. In other words, he was a sorcerer or a person who practiced black magic as part of being a witch doctor. Mm-hmm. Also known as shaman, and he was well known within the outskirts of Medan in Indonesia. That was his village, I would say. So let's just say before he was eventually known as a notorious serial killer in Indonesia, which had led him to his own downfall. Mm-hmm. Before all that, he was just another dukun doing his own thing, practicing what he believed in, and applying his so-called powers to help people who would come to visit him in order to be healed, to get rich, be wealthier, or for girls and. Women women specifically their visits would usually be one of these two things either for their partners to be more faithful to them or to just simply appear to be more sexually attractive to their significant other or partner interesting yeah to go to a dukun for that yeah that's that's actually considered common common in indonesia in indonesia and malaysia as well i, I guess yeah but indonesia it's like more widespread i would mm. say mm-hmm. yeah this is the part bear in mind that this was indonesia and it happened within the 80s up to the 90s. So, although visiting a dukun can be considered embarrassing, it is however still considered normal, especially in that culture where traditional medicine or healing is highly regarded in the society. But that norm might have faltered when a tragedy struck nearby with the death of a 21-year-old girl in 1997 who also happened to be Ahmad Suraji's last victim. Oh, mm-hmm. she's so young, 21. Yeah. Yeah, oh. the thing about his victims is that they're all young. All young. Yeah. That girl was called Sri Kamala Dewi and she was found dead, her body completely naked 
and buried in a sugarcane field. She was found by a random man who had later called other people along to help dig out her body and they later told the police of their discovery. As the police went on to do their work, trying to get in all the details or as many witnesses as they could to solve this gruesome murder mystery, Dewi's father had also reported of his daughter missing. Then, when the news started to spread like wildfire, like body was found and the identity was known, that was a key person who had significantly helped the police in this investigation. And that person who had given the right clues to the police was a 15-year-old rickshaw driver named Andreas. Mm. So Andreas, he told the police and also the victim's family that he last witnessed Devi alive after dropping her off at Ahmad Suraji's house. And him, being the rickshaw driver who had brought Dewi there, noted two important things on that day. Number one, Dewi told him to keep this a secret. Hush hush, don't let anyone know I went to see Ahmad Suraji. That's a bit sketchy. What? 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 Why would Dewi do that? No, because... They're embarrassed. Yeah, they're probably embarrassed. You know, because people know that if you go to visit Edukun, it's either for these things related yeah. to love, like mm, maybe you need someone to fall in love with you, or you want to be more beautiful yeah and number two she never requested him to pick her up after I mean if you think back you're just a girl and then you went there with a rickshaw so like if you were to walk alone you're not exactly safe yeah but anyway thanks to Andreas's clues the police quickly went off to Ahmad Suraji's house to question him further because they couldn't simply arrest him without evidence and although Suraji initially denied all the allegations thrown at him the police eventually found substantial evidence which had led to his arrest on 30th April 1997 including Dewi's belongings in his house her handbag dress and bracelet among other things which belonged to at least 25 25? Yeah That's a lot of women Yeah Belongings? <laughs> belongings Belongings Oh my god So he had kept their belongings In his house After murdering them. Mm. But yeah but That's not even the worst part By the way Okay So that was the very moment When Suraji finally confessed To his crimes Although at first he only admitted of killing 16 women, when in reality, he had killed much more than that, up to a total of 42 women. Yeah, 42. A lot of people doubt the number because apparently when the case was on the rise, the police told all the families at the village to report on their missing family members. Mm. And guess how many families did that? 10. 80 families. 80? 80 families. Yeah. 80 families wow. And that's a lot Like um, the, the difference Between 42 and 80 I'm trying to think like So he possibly killed more then Yeah Yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Okay 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 That's scarier Yes Ugh. And yeah I mean If we think back He only admitted to killing 16 Yeah but Then because of the things That they found That was up to like 25 women mm. So he had to confess yeah. Okay, and the whole process of searching for the missing people was lengthy because after discovering Dewi's body, other bodies were found there too. But most of the victims were unidentifiable with only five that could be recognised, including Dewi, because his killing spree lasted for more than a decade, from 1986 to 1997, meaning their body had decomposed already. Yeah. And with Dewi being the recent one, so that's why they could identify her body. This is the part that really creeps me out. So if there are young listeners out there, you have been warned. Again, listener discretion is advised, just to be sure of that. The creepy part of his killing spree is that when these girls and women came to visit him, say they wanted to appear more attractive to their partner. Part of his so-called ritual steps after taking money from them, which was expensive by the way. Like there's his services? Uh, yes. Oh wow. It's like totally a scam. 
Yeah, because I read that it costs two hundred to four hundred dollars. About that. Wow. After charging them a ridiculously high amount, he would lead the victim to a nearby sugar plantation, claiming this to be part of the ritual. And then there, he would bury the victim up to their waist until they were effectively immobilized. And then he would strangle them with an electric cord till they breathe their last breath. That's not even the worst part, because as soon as they were dead, guess what he did? I honestly do not know. How do you find? First of all, how do you find enjoyment in killing people? You know, oh when God. they str- when they struggle, it's like don't you just want to like get help anyway? I mean, clearly they all have their own motives. Yeah. With Sureji, as soon as they were dead, he would drink the saliva of his victims. Like he drank his victim saliva. Ugh. Yeah, I don't know how he did it or what tool or method exactly. Yeah, no, I was yeah, I was literally thinking like, how do you get the like? Uh, uh, okay. I don't want to think about it. Yeah, you know. I mean, if he did it directly, which just so happens to be the image in my mind as we're speaking of. And if that were the case, or even if it wasn't, either way, this is pure gross and super inappropriate. Which is why I feel like this topic is super heavy because even for me, it's hard for me to even drink from the same glass that was shared yeah, by another someone else. Person. Yeah, same. But here in this case, it's just doing it because he wanted to. And these are just random people's saliva. What more that they're dead? And he killed them, by the way. So after he drank the saliva, he would then strip his victims naked to accelerate decomposition, and then he would bury them completely with their heads pointing towards his house. This was the pattern that was evident in all his. Crimes. All his victims were stripped naked, and their heads would be pointing towards his house. All the same, and then it was later revealed that he did this so he could gain more power as a mystic healer. Mm. So I bet everyone here who hasn't read or heard about him before would wonder the same thing: why? Yeah. Mm. Or what exactly triggered him to do these crimes? And that, our dear listeners, had all started. From a dream, and I'm not talking about the ambition kind of dream, but literally the dream when you sleep at night. This was what Suraji stated to the police when being questioned about his motives. He told the police that before he murdered his first victim, he had a dream with his deceased father appearing in it, where he was told that he should become a mystic healer to acquire more power. But there was a catch: to be one, he had to drink the saliva of seventy dead young women. Seventy. Seven zero. Yes. So I wonder about uh, eighty girls' family. Ah, eighty families. Mm. Yeah. So based on that dream, Suraji had thought that waiting for seventy women to naturally die would take too long. So he was like, "I'm gonna take the lives with my own hands to make it quicker." Yeah. Hence his murder spree, and that also explains Iswin why some of his victims were actually prostitutes. It's not every day that he would receive customers yeah. who would seek his mystical powers. So instead of waiting for his regulars or so, he would call out prostitutes just so he could kill them. Anyhow, by the end of it all, Suraji was finally charged with 42 counts of murder and sentenced to death. By a three-judge panel in Lubuk Pakam in 1998, he maintained his innocence throughout the trial and appealed his sentence several times. But fortunately, his appeals were rejected. Mm. He was executed by firing squad on July 10, 2008, along with two other convicted murderers. On the other hand, his first wife, Tumini, was found guilty of helping him with his crimes. However, she only faced 
life imprisonment. And then, that's a side note. Suraji, he had three wives and his other two wives left the village and were not convicted of crime. And the thing that was like, this might have also been a red flag from the very beginning with Suraji is that his three wives are all siblings. In Islam, we, we can't do that. No. Uh, the wives are each other's siblings. That's a super red flag. Anyway, to wrap up this story, Suraji, born on 10 January 1949 and sentenced to death on 10th July 1998, had murdered 42 people, which were girls and women, from 1986 till 1997, with his last victim being Sri Kamala Dewi. Suraji's case is one of the most notorious and gruesome serial killings in Indonesian history, reflecting the widespread belief in sorcery and the paranormal in some parts of the country, especially among rural and uneducated people. So, all my people out there, especially girls and women, please be careful not to be lured by such services and know that deep down inside, you are, have always been and will always be beautiful even if you might not know it so don't go seeking for these services yeah. and ending up dead I know I think like nowadays people would spend a lot of money at spas or salons instead that's but today's trend I yeah. guess but um, if it happens today first of all I think we wouldn't be a female wouldn't be using a rickshaw they would be using grab they'd be using grab with the location detection services thingy it's a lot easier to find out if someone's like gone out, gone out of the way what's the moral of the story of this episode is when I think for me I, I read somewhere that like dreams don't always have to mean something oh yeah that is absolutely true because I I mean I have crazy dreams all the time like I would go and interpret it not <laughs> who that, doesn't who doesn't right like I would go and like research oh why is it in my dream like I'm falling or something you know and then there's like a million explanations for it but it doesn't mean that I need to go and jump and fall somewhere so, like maybe for for him Reggie I don't know how to say like a, a sign from God or like oh something's wrong oh okay you know that okay. that could be okay see see the thing something. is about dreams okay so previously I have always been a person who would like to interpret dreams mm-hmm. and then I randomly googled up things so in Islam we are to believe that dreams are either of two things sent by God mm. or sent by the devil Oh. So actually, these dreams, they have like, say, if you meet a certain condition, like you were sleeping and you took your voodoo for there's like a certain thing that you have to meet and then you can receive that dream from God mm, but like before sleep mm, mm. and then also let's say if you receive a dream from the devil you would wake up feeling very worried anxious mm. stuff like that Ooh. so mm. is that why we have nightmares yeah nightmares oh. yeah that's definitely and that's why they say that if you had nightmares don't tell it to other people because then the devil will be laughing because they really have gotten you. So that's the lesson. Yeah. Everyone. <laughs> the lesson is if you have a nightmare, don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't okay. let the devil win. Yeah. For this thing, we don't necessarily need to interpret every dream that we have. Okay, don't be like Suraji because killing people is just wrong. How do you not feel like worried? I don't know if that's the right word to describe. Isn't it anxiety for like thinking, this is a human being? Yeah. So the thing about his dream is, he dreamed of his father. So you know how the things are with Malays? Like, if you dream of a deceased person, then it really must mean something. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> that, that was... that was it really? That, that's uh, the idea. That's okay. like this thing in our society. It's like you have to, like, you know, obey what they wish. Mm. Mm. So, but the thing about Suraji is that even in the dream... His father told him to drink 70 women's saliva. Mm-hmm. 
not to kill them. Wait, there's another angle I didn't think of. So, mm. but that's a bit odd though. Like, how do you go to up to 70 women and be like, you know, I have your saliva? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. But that was also this condition. They had to be dead. Um, so, you know how uh, this dukuns are? They believe in these traditional things. Perhaps just part of their procedure. Mm. The things that they have to go through Because sometimes I heard that Some people had to do a certain thing They have to be isolated In order to become something mm. Mm. There's something that they have to let go In order to gain And this maybe He had to let go of his morality mm. In order to gain power Okay So Dina If that happens today How do you think they should tackle this? I, I think like what um Is it Andreas? Andreas You know without him I feel like thank God He dropped off Dewi Yeah Because if not That Ahmad Suraji would be like so and alive Ugh. and he would kill up to 70 women yeah. and he would get that power which well, is I don't freak. I don't think that's real I don't think that's actually going to happen I think it could be real because it could be an agreement with the devil oh but he doesn't know okay yeah but in today's world if there was a person like Andreas I bet that person would feel extremely guilty I mean I know he he helped a lot in the investigation but he must have felt guilty like I could have prevented yeah. that person by telling her not to go to Ahmad Suraji's house and he already know like stories about Ahmad Suraji mm, Ahmad Suraji was a well-known dukun by yeah. the way yeah. yeah that is it for today's podcast thank you everyone for listening we'll see you soon we'll talk to you soon <laughs>